0: Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. it's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western force and the game we love. Hello everyone and welcome to this special Bledisloe Cup edition of the Rugby Wrap, great to have your company wherever you may be listening. My name's Mick Collis, and joining me live from quarantine is former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good
1: to see you again. Lovely to be back again cake. Mick, uh, day 11 of 14, what happened there? We something happened. I think your internet was in quarantine for a (laughs) second there. (laughs) There was a big gap. Ah. But
0: that's okay. We're back. We're back now. Are we good? (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) My internet's been going going brilliantly all day long, and then we get onto the show and it all goes (laughs) disgusted. That's just how
2: exciting
0: day 11 is, Um, isn't
2: it? You get to go out of the house.
0: And a man who prefers mandarins to oranges because they're easy to peel. Heath Tessman and Tess, good to have you with us. Yeah, and those genetically modified ones are seedless nowadays <laughs> as well. So,
1: win-win. Win. Yeah. No, good, good to news. be here. Now, plenty to he's get le- through. He's, he's learned how to peel them with his feet, I believe. <laughs> plenty to get
0: through tonight with the third Bledisloe Cup, uh, the Sydney and Brisbane Grey Grand Finals and of course the mailbag, but we'll get straight into the test match where the All Blacks defeated the Wallabies by a record margin of 43 points to 5, the 38 point losing margin making it the worst loss to New Zealand in the Bledisloe Cup's 117 year history. So just 20 days after rugby appeared to be on the verge of a a desperately needed new era with a 16-all draw in game one, the All Blacks have sent Australia crashing back to earth. So Mitch, I'll start with you. What
1: went so wrong? Well, I, I, my observations for the test match is that the Wallabies never got out of their own half in the first 25 minutes. I can, I can barely recollect, and I sat there watching going, I don't think we've actually been in the All Blacks half yet. And I looked at the clock, and I reckon it was 25 minutes in. I thought the All Blacks kicking game was far superior to ours. And for some unbeguiled reason, it appeared that we'd changed our defensive structures. Whether or not it was a, a reaction to the previous week's plethora of missed tackles, our defensive structure seemed to have changed somewhat Um, when you see Lalesio floating around in a second line of defence, that sort of perplexed me a little bit given that he's such a physical young player Um, and then guys like Richie Moongo just stepped up to the plate and controlled the game Um, I I just think we just didn't come out of the blocks firing Um, it was was a pretty um, lacklustre performance in particular in the first half and when you think of the three disallowed tries that the All Blacks had um, in that first stanza, we were looking down the barrel of the 30 to 40 plus uh, gap at half time and then chasing the scoreboard, which was never going to be um, our, our way of playing when you have to chase the scoreboard against the All Blacks. So second half was pretty much a foregone conclusion for mine.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, I think they crossed the line three times in the opening 13 minutes. So Tess, do you reckon that scoreline flattered the Wallabies?
1: Oh,
2: unfortunately, I think it did a little bit. Um, I think Mitchy Mitchy's nailed it on the head. With uh, once that score got away from us, I think it, that was that was really when our kind of lack of inex- inexperience uh, probably you know without trying to single them out, like they'll be better for it. But through through the inside backs, and then a bit of a lack of leadership in the forward pack as well, we start trying to chase that game. Um, probably a little bit too hard Like it, at one point in time like The All Blacks aren't too far ahead of us There's still two or three scores within within our reach But we started just getting a little bit frantic A little bit too urgent That's when we started making some of those turnovers Which the All Blacks are going to capitalise on Every day of the week So they just, yeah, the ABs did such a good job Of putting us under pressure And I think unfortunately it, it's, And it's only through a little bit of lack Of that test match experience we We didn't respond
0: to it too well because yeah, the Wallabies they turned over a, a truckload of ball, and, and every time they made a half break, they they were trying to push these passes. So where's that coming from? Like Why is that happening?
2: I think it's just desperation, and
0: it's it's like like
2: I just touched on there that pressure. Like they're feeling that pressure, so they feel the need to try and score on that phase to force that pass to to make it happen right now when you you know that. if you keep them under pressure for just one or two more phases they're going to break naturally anyway it's going to break a lot easier so it's just being able to keep that foot on the throat you know test matches and I I didn't get to play in any of them Mitch you can probably allude to it a little bit more here but test matches it's all about building pressure building pressure in the right parts of the field and that's what the All Blacks did like they they kicked well they kept that pressure on us down in our half we got a little bit frantic in wanting to to chase the game. We got a little bit frantic because we didn't get to play down there end of the field as well. So whenever we got into their half, we were looking to try and make it happen because we hadn't been down there at all yet. And yeah, they just kept kind of heaping that pressure slowly, but surely upon us. And,
0: and unfortunately, yeah, it squashed us out of it. So Mitch, in that situation where they are trying to force the pass, everyone can see that that's what they're trying to do. So where does, it, where does the, the instruction or the, the knowledge come from to recognise that's what they're doing? Because everyone else at home could see it. So how does that stop during a game?
1: Oh, I think I think that's where you need that leadership to be able to read the game, um, and probably they missed James O'Connor in that in that area where it was just a, a a case of just settling things down and probably kicking a little bit longer rather than contestable kicks. Probably going a little bit longer with the kick and make the All Blacks play to their half. They they tend to go to those contestable kicks early, which you know if the All Blacks win that contest, then the back on the front foot again. So I think that's where having a Connor playing alongside a young kid like Noah Alissio would have been valuable. Um, but just, just for those push passes, like, I don't think you need to discourage it because they can come off, but you've got to execute really well. And yeah, but the only downside about that, you, you've got young Ira Simoni and Jordan Patea is a new centre combination. So, you know, if you're going to do that offload in contact, maybe look at doing it a little bit more towards the back end of the first half when the game's a little bit more settled, not in the first 20. Because you just can't afford to do those turnovers. So tactically, we were just a little bit off in that we just didn't, we weren't smart enough to settle into a, a game to build that pressure that was required to um, to make it a competitive game.
0: So was the personnel the problem?
2: Oh, they're all they're all good players. I think I think it was it's probably just touches
1: on that little bit of
2: inexperience. Like you, you look through our back line, just to use that as an example, Whitey's you know very experienced. He, he's a big talker. But then we go through. Once you go through the middle of the field, you're almost looking at Dane or Marika Cora. Well, Dane's your next most experienced mm. back out there, and and they're you know they're at either end of the they're at either end of the spectrum. They're not being able to get connected too much, and and the guys in the middle are you know, maybe not connecting outside as much as they can as well. So I think it's it's not that it's not that the guys are are not up to that level. It's just about. Making sure they believe they 're up to that level, making sure they go out there they can communicate yeah. through it's like there 's going to be of course there 's going to be pressure put on us, and like touching on the the offloads you know there's, if, if the ball 's not going your way if you haven 't got that momentum with you, then you know it 's just tuck it under the arm, put yourself over the advantage line, claw that momentum back, and all of a sudden those offloads will be opening up and and they 'll start paying off once you 've got that momentum back but it 's just about being able to kind of take that spoonful of medicine and and just know that you're you know you 're on the you're in the poor, but you're in the poor part of it right now. You're, you're doing it tough. You have just got to take the tough stuff to get back and, and get back on top,
0: and then the rest of those things will start pulling off. I very rarely take notice of what backs are doing, but L'Alessio, they were hiding him in that second line of uh, defense, as you said, Mitch. Was was that something they did during the year at the Brumbies?
1: No, he was in the front line, and I, I don't—I had no idea why you would do that because by having someone drop out in line like that and maybe push Dane up into the front line, whether or not that's from a communication or experience move that they put him in the front line. But, you know, you, is, your, is your starting test 10, I mean, gone are the days where you need to hide Quake Cooper, Yeah, which was obvious that, you know, he was he was a little bit weak in the tackling area and that could be easily exploited. But I don't think Milestio is weak in that area whatsoever. He was actually did really well on the physical side of things for the Super Rugby Tournament. So I actually think it's actually a bit of an insult to the player not putting him in your front line like that and letting him play as a 10 and run run both attack and defence as a 10. And I think, you know, they need to change that immediately. If they're going to cons- persist with Lalesio at 10, they've got to give him the, the to give him enough confidence and confidence in him to be able to run as a 10 and get the players around him all got to work together.
0: Because do you reckon that yeah. put you him could off see his game? Did it put, did yeah, it put him you,
1: up you, his you, you, ah, you could definitely see mate. he
2: suffered more at the back. Yeah. Like he was, you know, he was yeah, caught he was out lost. of position more often than not because he's not used to playing back there. Especially, you know, with the All Blacks on the other side, one of the best kick, like best attacking kicking teams in the world. So we've we've got a guy back there who, yeah, it's it's not his strength. His strength and where he's defended all year is in that front line. So let's keep him there. You know, he's he's going to have yeah. guys like Hoops and Simone. He's got Hoops who can help him out on the inside. He's got a back row there. He's got Simone who he worked with all year anyway. So they've got the combination. They, they can defend through that that channel well. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure why we didn't keep him up there. So who's called it that? Well, we've got a thousand
0: coaches. <clears throat> who, who would have said that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it would, have, it would have been the head coach's call ultimately. But probably, I mean, if you, if you think about it, the rationale probably would have been maybe even having an extra kicking option at the back there, but you you can't have the what ifs. You've got to actually go. You know what the players we've picked—they've all got the skills at the highest level to be able to execute either under the high ball, return kicks, or whatever it's going to be. I mean, I know Corabetti and Filippo aren't the greatest um, kicking from hand players, but you know, put you put a bit of faith in them and stop having to move things around and compromise your structures for the sake of for the sake of um, uh, a bit of weakness and skills. I mean. Filippo was way off his game on a weekend, way off. He did so well in his first couple of test matches, but just had a shocker on um, Saturday, which he's allowed to do, I suppose, as a developing player. But you know, little things like tackling a guy in the air—I mean, Jesus, yeah, like, yeah. that's not—that's not difficult that's not stuff. Yeah, I mean, we see I it mean, all the time. In his pocket, there, man. I thought he was <laughs> hard done by.
0: Oh, he's test
1: match.
0: Sandcave, clearly did a bumps wonderful him
1: job. Him. No. No. Clearly. And, they did a wonderful job, Sam Kane, but yeah, Filippo ended up wrapping his arms around the bloke. And yeah, yeah, if was would, Filippo, yeah. If I was Filippo, if I was Filippo, as soon as Sam Kane touched me, I would have taken a big dive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been a better outcome for us.
2: Go back to his soccer days.
0: <laughs> now, just with the yeah. Lesio and, and these young guys, one of, like one of my gripes, which I may have mentioned once or twice in the, pa- in the past, but we seem to be putting all our hope in this this next generation, young kids, like you know, 20 years old, in that environment, in a test match against the All Blacks, isn't there a a, a number 10 playing first grade club rugby in Sydney or Queensland that's played, you know, a hundred games, that's that's experienced, it's it's knows how to run a side? Wouldn't a person like that be a better option than a young 20 year old kid? Even though the 20 year old oh. might be very good. Sort of in terms of his skills and being, you know, this kid's great. But at this particular time in that environment, is that the best option? Putting your all your eggs in this in these young kids.
1: Well, you you put a line through Matt Samura and James O'Connor straight up because they're both injured. So there's probably your two most experienced guys that play ten there. Yep. You know, the Melbourne Rebels certainly didn't show anything um, depth-wise. If you look to the Sydney club scene. You've got young Tate Edmund who's was just fantastic for Eastwood this year, but he's only just sort of starting to, to progress. He's only young, he's, he's, young. 20, he's only twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're starting there's a big void after that between the Tamuas, the O'Connors, and the Lodesios, in my view. There's not a lot there.
0: So we just don't uh, have anyone.
1: Yeah, so the cupboard's pretty bare. And to be to be perfectly fair, Mick, like he was probably the best ten in Super Rugby. In yep. the Super OBAU competition, and thoroughly deserved his selection. So, but what I don't understand is why you compromise what he's done so well and yeah. change it for a test match. Surely you've got to back yourself and just back the kid in. Yeah, from there on in.
0: Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, certainly a tough call to throw him in there and then put him playing in a different way that he's used, been used to playing. And the reasons he got picked in the first place, you're taking those reasons away and sticking him somewhere else. It was a yeah. bit, seems a bit strange. So, yeah. so would you be would you be looking at making changes for this? Weekend,
1: yeah. The changes I'd make um, is I'd change my six, I'd bring in Liam Wright at six and get rid of Patty, um, and yeah, I'd put him out of the 23. Yep, um, and he can warm the bench with Tommy Banks. I, now I, I don't, I'd probably stick with Dane Patty, but um, he wasn't fantastic there, and I'd probably, I'd probably stick with the back line again. But you'd say to Iray Simone, listen, O'Connor, if he's fit, he's going to take your spot. Or Hunter Basami, and Ira Simone, You guys swap each other. You would probably bring Hunter in at twelve and Ira to the bench. But so if you bought if
0: if you O'Connor in, you'd put him at twelve.
1: Yeah, I yeah. would.
0: And you'd leave Alessio.
1: I would. Yeah. And it might it might weaken you a little bit defensively, but yeah, you know, uh, I think O'Connor's good enough to be there, and I think Alessio's good enough to be there, and I think they'd be interesting to see how well they can combine. The the only area that I think um, we could further improve is is potentially you know Tanella Tupo starting the game because he does bring you that physicality with his carries and and you know these big hits. Yep. Bringing him in late in the piece is probably a little bit too late if you're going to be down on the scoreboard for that sort of thing.
0: Yep. And and Dargouni, uh, you'd leave him.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. He had a bad game, but yeah. I think he's shown enough in his first two test matches to stick with him.
0: So you wouldn't, you wouldn't bring Tom Wright in for him? You'd leave, you'd leave him and Korobiti? No.
1: no, Tom Wright's not the answer. Yeah.
0: Now, one, one thing about Dalgunna, like he's only, what, that was his third test match, was it? I think.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's third test. So in the, in the lead up to that test match, he was quoted for saying, <laughs> and this is about to Caleb Clark, the um, all-black winger, our aim is to kick, kick to him and contest for him to catch so he can smash him. I can't wait to hit him. Now, the New Zealand rugby writer Phil Giffords called him a dick for his comments, and I think, I think he's 100% right. I remember back when we had under Robbie Deans, we had O'Connor, Kirtley Bill, Digby Uwani, Quay Cooper, all these young, brash guys. They got away with murder. They were out getting burgers at 4am. They should have been dropped, but they weren't because we didn't have the depth. Put a lot of Australians off the wallabies. I think we need to be very careful that we don't do that again. when you have young guys playing their third test match, and they're on the whole, They're they're not winning. So so where's the leadership and whose role is it to tell these guys to pull their head in? Because it's not what people well, want to from, hear.
1: From what I know about Filippo Mick, if he said all that, that's probably the most words he's put together all year <laughs> across all Super Rugby. All year. So I will go I go back to who the hell is the media manager with the Wallabies letting yeah. them <laughs> say that much yeah. stuff about yeah. opposition number? Who's yeah. probably the best player they've got? So. Correct. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> uh, you go. Hang on a minute. No, yeah, they should be. They shouldn't have players um, as green as Filippo putting him up in front of me, media, saying and those inflammatory comments. He would have been talking, none the yeah. wiser. Some of it could have been taken out of context. Yeah, I'm sure God there are a few leading questions no, yeah, for him. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's just. Yeah, but, but it, I just. You know, when you have got these young kids
0: that that have done nothing, trash talking. I just. I just. I don't know, that's not, that's not the Wallabies that the fans want to support.
1: No, nah, and they've got to be smarter than that. And they, and that's what the All Blacks do really well. They don't have multiple players all mouthing off or doing media pieces. They're very succinct in the way they do their media, the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Australian rugby should take a leaf out of that. Yeah. And test the forward pack.
0: Uh, Luke and uh, Solokai Loto unlikely to be fit with these, had that, that ankle injury. They're talking about bringing um, Caden Neville, the 31-year-old journeyman, seven years after he was last into the Wallaby squad, he's a chance of making this test debut. Would you make any, any changes to the forward pack?
2: No, I wouldn't make too many. I, I would maybe look to bring... I'd like to bring in Pete Samu. I'd like to bring him back in. Um, I think I think he adds a lot at line-out time. I, I, I like I like Mitch's idea of, of bringing in Young Wright, but I just think that it, it limits us a little bit too much at line out at set piece. Um, I, I think our front row, I think our front row is pretty much close to it, to our best though. Big BPA will be, he'll be filthy at himself for that defensive laps down the, uh, down the short side. But I think mm-hmm. for the, like to exert pressure, I can understand Mitchy, you know, wanting Nellu in there early on for that of physicality but I, I feel like he, we're better keeping him on the chain and, and getting a bit pumped up and letting him come off the chain for a good 30 minute burst at the end I just think that to, there's not too much between him and, and Alan Alatoa but I think we're going to get a lot more in that last 30 from a Tanyola tupo than, than, than Alatoa and Alatoa can really set up the, set him up to knock him down hopefully just like kind of like what the Springboks did with the World Cup almost playing their strongest front row in the back half of the game because of the advantage it'll give them as far as second row is coming in,
0: because who have we got in there? who's in the squad? Who's is it, in the squad? It's young.
2: Is it Trevor Jose, the young boy oh, yeah, from yep. Melbourne? Yep. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing. I thought he might have had a had a crack of a little bit earlier on. So I missed the uh, Argentinian game. How he went in that Australia A game, but I wouldn't mind seeing him come in. He's got a you know he's got an automatic connection with with Matty Phillip from working together with them uh, at Melbourne. Uh, the 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 question over that's just you know still that. I'd love to be able to bring Rob Simmons in just for his leadership, but I just I think we're better having uh, someone bringing in someone younger and someone with that connection with with Maddie straight away. Maddie Phillips going to be starting again.
0: So Caden Neville he, is he not even in the squad? Is he's he been coming, brought into the squad. So he's been yep. brought in. So he wasn't in the original forty-four. No. So what are they doing? Picking forty-four people and then bringing someone who's not even in the forty-four. into consideration. Like, I can't understand this stuff.
1: I don't know, mate.
0: How is that happening? Well,
2: it's like, I'm not, because over the last two weeks, there's obviously (laughs) been movement. Like, looking at those, the Australia A team, um, you know, the guys in that team that weren't even in that original 44-man squad. So, whether or not players have been injured, whether or not players have played themselves (laughs) out of that squad,
1: Mitchie? Yeah, it's a bit strange. There's another another Australia A game this week in Brisbane and they've called in uh, blokes like, the East Tigers, George Francis, the front, big front rower, big uh, gorgeous George to, to play on the Australia A team against the Argies. So, um, and I did note on the Australia A team list from last week, and we'll get to it in a minute, Mick, because this is one of the ones that upsets you, is they did bring in guys from the Cobbs team, which is great, but yep. totally random. Like right? kids like Tristan Riley was in there and you're going, well, he didn't play any super rugby, so what form have they based yep. that on? Um, great to see those guys get opportunities uh, and unless Cade Neville potentially was in that game And shot the lights out And Dave Rennie's gone Let's grab th- that guy Yep Then you, then uh, To your point that you raised last week It's great that they can pick on form Guys are in form Pick them Bring them in Put them in there But God I didn't even know that Australia t- game was even no, on did I Did I And, right. and- what a missed opportunity to live stream that. Like, yeah. I would have watched that online, to watch those guys go around against the Argies. Like, you, you've got to learn these things by osmosis sometimes. Yeah. Like, jeez. Because aren't we... Come on. Australian Everyone else can seem to do it. And Australian rugby is paying for, for 44
0: blokes on this camp. So, uh, one, the confidence that it gives to a young kid like that, Josea who's, who's in the squad but he's not even being considered. Ah. So, why are we paying for him to be on this camp? It's just, uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on in there. I really, I really don't. And surely with all of them, one of them could hold a camera or two so they can film exactly. the Aussie,
2: Aussie so we can all watch
1: it at home. Live exactly. <laughs>
2: but, oh. but also,
1: uh, what does that do for that young kid's confidence that Absolutely. someone's just going to come straight in over the top and take the spot on the bench or whatever? Yeah. Um, you know, I we've, we've stuck with Rob Simmons on the bench at the moment and I sent you a text over the me- weekend, Mickey, Rob Simmons got a – he's passed Stephen Larkham with test caps and you go, oh, my God. <laughs> One of the fan, most fantastic players to pull on a Wallaby jumper, and Rob Simmons has Just passed been,
0: him. I know, I, I know. But, um, yes, he's been very unassuming throughout
1: his career, but he's certainly been there a he's, long time. He's, <laughs> he's shaking his head there at the moment. Uh, <laughs>
2: There's a fly in here. That's um,
1: <laughs> and and Dave Rennie's
0: Dave Rennie's come out saying now it's now it's a four year campaign. That he's that he's working towards, surely, like a, the Australian market, where it's not in a position to wait four years. There'll be there'll be only three men supporting it if we've got to wait four more years.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon about that, Tess? You're going to say something there? Oh no, I think like yeah,
2: and those. Uh, I don't think it's going to help in any bid that we have as well for bringing in a World Cup in eight years' time. After that, like it's it's almost feeling like that. Groundhog Day feeling again. Like we, you know, there's the potential there. It's just, it's realizing that. But as far, you know, for us, we're going to watch. We love it. We love it. We're suckers for punishment. But you know, for that, for those fifty-fifty fans who, you know, we, it made such a big difference that first game. Oh yeah, people were talking bringing about bringing them all back again. in. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, bringing them back in. But. Yeah, like I think we're losing those those 50 50s already if they're not already
0: gone. They only they, they had 25,000 people at that Bledisloe game on on Saturday night in an 80,000 seat stadium. I don't, which obviously they they couldn't sell all the tickets. Do you know how many tickets were were available? Because the rugby league had 37,000 at the grand final, and we've had 25,000 turn up to a um, to a Bledisloe. So the the interest it's not there, and I can't see why why a national team has to rebuild. Like the Broncos talk about, even though they're going through one, that was always against their ethos to say they're rebuilding because they're in Brisbane. They should never have to rebuild. I can't see how Australia should ever have to rebuild, but they seem to be saying we've got to rebuild. So what's that say about the, the management or the processes in the lead-up for the last five or six years that, that a national team has to rebuild? Surely the national teams get the pick of everybody, so why have we, we got this mentality that it's okay to say we're rebuilding?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that? I think that was I thought, the, I thought that was a mistake from Dave Rennie. I, I think he, he, he should have just gone straight on to this week's game. Say, so we're going to put last week in behind us. Our objective is to win in Brisbane. Simple as that. We're not looking in four years' time or three years' time or two years' time. We're going to look to next week and we're going to bounce back from that loss and we're, we're aiming for a w-, a w in the win column next week. Yeah. Simple as that. And yeah. that, in my view, that's that's the attitude Australian rugby has to take at the moment. We still yeah. don't have a plan for Australian rugby at the moment, the one that was promised to us about three months ago. Mm. Um, they still haven't announced broadcast deals. They still haven't announced how the Super Rugby AU is going to work next year. There's all these what-ifs still, and we're getting towards Christmas. Yeah. Um, the last thing we want to hear is, oh, it's a four-year plan. Well that doesn't tell us anything. That's, that's just it. saying you're going from one World Cup to the next. Exactly. And we're just gonna we're just gonna do a little bit of stuff in between. Yeah. So, you know, it's all about this weekend's match in Brisbane playing against the All Blacks. That the whole objective is to win that game. Absolutely. Nothing else matters.
0: Absolutely. it, it is. Uh, test matches are, are a week they're a game by game proposition. And that's how they need it because mm-hmm. that's how the fans treat it. They can't they yeah. can't just discount the fans who are forking out good money. To, because they're rebuilding.
2: I think that's why I'd probably try to stick with a predominantly similar team as well because those guys you know, being part of that game, you know, they'll all be stinging a fair bit. So getting, them, getting yeah. them back out there, keeping them close, tight together, give them another crack to go and have a, have a real good dig at an AB's team again in, in Brisbane where hopefully we'll have a bit of a better crowd. Or whether it's the same if it's the same amount of people there, you know, you're in a good stadium, mm. got a good record at home, or we've got a good record in Brisbane, maybe or we don't have a good record against the All Blacks. No. No. <laughs> not great. <laughs> a, good, a good record there, like let them let them go out there and, and you know try and try and show that you know last weekend was just a a, bit, a slip up on a pretty big banana.
0: Yeah, and look, we we don't want to be all negative about it. So so what were some of the the positives that you reckon? I, I thought Jordan Petya. Was was fantastic. Sort of showed that he is very, very good. What are some of the positives we saw in our last week?
2: I think I'll, I'll start with just all the stuff up front. I think a lot of our mm. set piece work was really good. Our scrum laid a really good platform for most of the game, um, and we, we were putting them under a lot of pressure, especially when in the in their transition when they were bringing out a few new front rows. we we, we had the referee looking at us as the dominant scrum, which is a big start. Um, our lineup out performed well as well. Like we there's still room for improvement on our mall. But it's it's all of that all of our set piece stuff from our forwards is, is trending in a pretty good direction.
1: Yeah, I agree with Heath. I thought our set piece was good, Mick. And if you take that and the the way we attacked in the previous tests, um, I think it just comes down now to just make Is players are just gonna make their tackles now. I thought our break we competed at the breakdown pretty well. Uh but it, I'd like to bolster that area up a little bit and just put even more pressure on the All Blacks ball uh, at breakdown time. They just got too much quick ball for Richie Moanga to delay yep. the foot platform on the weekend. And and potentially, if you're going to do anything, you've got to put him under more pressure. Somehow, you've got to get some extra bit of line st- speed on him mm. and put him under pressure, he was very uh, good which I think he? they can do, if, especially if O'Connor comes back. Yep. Yeah, and it's
2: like, like taking a yep. leaf out of Harry Wilson that, that previous game where he was just in Bowdoin Barrett's face the whole time like there's there's still something to be said for that like every time he touched the ball he was getting hit by harry yeah. wilson so there's like if whether or not you are just yeah. you know letting one or two of your forwards off off the leash and saying if he's touching and he's getting hit no matter what yeah. that starts to play on no matter what level player you are that starts to play on your mind no matter you know as it keeps going on and on through the yeah. game or,
1: yeah. or or even taking someone like aaron smith to ground each time he passes the ball get him on the ground um, so he has to get up to get to the next ruck. So the balls are just that fraction slower as well because he's that split-second slower to get there. So little things like that a tactics they could employ to just slow the ball down a little bit, which which will help them make the tackles they need to make. Yeah, yeah bring back the niggle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, another- it's,
2: it's, it is true, though. Like we, we, sorry, we, we touched on it in earlier games like... The little bit of we felt like you know we we complain about the All Blacks bullying and doing all this stuff off the yep. ball. Let's just throw it back at them. Let's be serious. That's what rugby's all about yeah. what you can get away with. If you're not if you're not, if you're not getting penalised for doing something like that, you're not pushing the boundary hard enough. Because every time someone gets bing, they've
1: got
0: away with it ten times already. Because how how can you put them off their game? Is that the way to do it? I think it's physicality. have got to your face yeah. and be physical. Like you
2: know, you you bully the bully when yep. you're at school. You you go at the you know when you're in jail, you go at the big guy and you knock <laughs> the biggest guy in the jail down. Show sure. up and get in their face, show that you're not intimidated by yeah. it, and yep. just get in their face and stay there the whole game.
1: You got to get them a little bit flustered, and and not that's not through just char-hooing or carrying on when you get a penalty. <laughs> it's about constantly being in their face and just being intimidating and just be physical in every attribute of the game.
0: Yeah. And another another positive that I thought over the weekend is, or the last couple of weekends, is we haven't haven't heard from Rob Clark. He's been he's been very quiet.
1: Oh, I did I did <laughs> I did notice Mick that he got his photo with the um, the young lad that sung the national anthem, and he had a little article oh, about yep. the. The guy singing on Ash I and mean, Robbie made sure he was in that. Play. He was in
0: that one. Yeah, that was the good. News, that was the only good news story out of the um out of the whole weekend. Yeah. And yeah. what? The, the, oh, the,
2: I miss. I missed the anthem. So oh, I mate, just, it was fantastic. I he,
0: keep was, he was hearing it. He, he was, was wonderful. Very good. <laughs> Biggest yeah. smile I've ever seen. And what did we think of the Indigenous jersey?
1: I liked it, mate. I reckon it's oh, a man. good jersey. I know. I know you just don't want change. That's equally as good as jersey as the previous Indigenous jersey they wore. So yep. now they've got two. Now it's they've a, got a gold one and a green one. Let's yeah. not change it anymore. <laughs> because,
0: <But, laughs> you know, I didn't realise Australia's colours were green and white. That was the only thing that threw me. But, you know, all these punters in the crowd have paid good money to wear gold. And then some marketing genius has come out and said, oh, let's make our team play in green and white.
1: It's a bit like the, uh, the Reebok jersey from the 90s, mate. That <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's true. It's the throwback. It's mm. the throwback. Uh, anyway, so look, so coming into this weekend, do we, I, I, I think we all tipped Australia last, last time we were on. Have you, have you and, and yeah. the All Blacks have, have, no have come out and said they're going to make <laughs> some fairly big changes to bring in a lot of their young rookies. So, what, what's your tip Play for this week? Play their B team. Yeah, which would probably still put 20 on. I thought we already were
1: playing
2: their B team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what are your tips? What are your tips for the weekend? Uh, Game four. uh, All of these by three. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously? Okay. Uh,
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) All right. Ever the optimist?
1: I'm going to bet the All Blacks by 30.
0: Wow. Okay. So
1: therefore, I'm going to completely put the mocker on them because I can't pick anything at the moment. I could not pick a winner all day long. Melbourne Cup day, I had that many horses bet on, and <laughs> even the previous races, I got three seconds.
0: I'm I'm thinking the All Blacks by twelve because I think any young guys that they bring in will just be they won't want to lose. They'll want to keep inflicting pain on Australia. So I think unfortunately that's the way it's going to go. But you never know. I'm t- you never know. I'm,
2: t- I'm t- like as far as the like that their pack. What are the young? How many are the young guys they're going to bring in? I think from the first two packs they've. They've lost. Moody was out. Sevilla wasn't in That's that true. game yeah, yeah. as well. Yep. Uh, they'd swap. I mean, they'd swap the hookers round. New. Oh, it was Carl Tungafaki's Yeah, uh, his first start for a while. Anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm just trying to think. going to bring <laughs> yeah. in. Well, yeah. Well, what,
0: no, about blo- what about
1: the young bloke? What about the young lad that came off the bench? The 17. Um, he's in jersey 17, and he had a really good oh. game. Um, yeah, he,
2: he was the he's the Auckland prop, isn't oh. he?
1: He, yeah, played yeah. In the, he, he played at Eden yeah, Park it like as well. He, yeah, it looked like he had a bit of soul glow in the hair and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, look, okay, so we're thinking, so it's two to one. All backs to beat the Wallabies at this stage. But <laughs> on a bright note, on a bright note, there were two Australian teams that won on the weekend. With Gordon defeating Eastwood 28-8 in the Shoot shield and in Queensland, East upsetting University 33 points to 18 to win the Hospital Cup. And that gave the Tigers six grand finals from six. And that was a, a great result for, for Ben Mullen, the former Wallaby captain. One of the most popular guests we've had on the Rugby Rat. Tess, oh, good result, good <laughs> your, result. Your man,
2: your man crush, your man crush. Oh, he's terrific. And I saw, I saw I'm a couple of... am surprised we don't have him on tonight. I
0: saw, I thought about it. I saw a couple <laughs> of people during the week and they all said that's the, their favourite podcast was the Ben Mullen one. And that was unprompted. That was just them coming out
1: <laughs> and saying it. Yeah. And Benny Moe, no. the Alec Evans Medal too. He won the, uh, oh, the best he, of first really? for the whole. Yeah, won the Alec Evans Medal, best of first the competition. for the whole comp for the year, which wow. is yeah, which is wonderful. So, but we, the real and news also as well, Darren Cotton. Yeah, go. Yeah, gone. Oh, test. I no, no, no you want to talk about the heavies? Well.
2: was no, no. It was a tough, tough weekend for the heavies. Going 0-4 with their with the finals. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, zero 0-4 or 0-5. Wow. got that number quickly yeah, but yeah. um how, how good the the Tony Shawman as well, best and Ferris in the grand final, taken out by the tight head prop from East. Rick, was it? Rick Van Neck. Next, yeah. Van Neck with the biggest that guy's, one of the biggest
0: necks yeah. you've ever seen. Uh, was
2: just, he, he is,
0: did he play <laughs> some did he play some super rugby for um
1: uh, he was he was uh, maybe on the bench for one of the games. But um the rumour has it that he might be going to the Melbourne Rebels next year. Yeah, righto. Um, yeah, absolute little cannonball. And he had a storming game and went pretty much the full 80 just scrumming the house down with big George Francis. But, and yeah, he throws and their neck, lineouts as well. He throws yeah, the lineout, yeah. He, he's, and he just looks like he absolutely loves his rugby yep. as well. I met the young kid at East Tigers I was there the other week. He's a re- really nice kid. Really nice kid.
0: Oh, terrific. Only a young, young fella. And 33 to 18, are, an upset. Tigers not expected to get up.
1: No, the, the oh. tigers got out of the tigers got out of the blocks really well. Test mm. that compared to the semi-final two weeks ago, where uh, UQ were ten nil up after ten minutes, it was a completely yeah. different different east side that ran out. They really did dominate the opening twenty minutes, and UQ UQ just couldn't put them away, could they?
2: Um, one, and once it got into the grind as well, like I think the the ascendancy that East had up front, especially at, at scrum time, just that was the big difference. Like uh, both teams were playing some great ball and hand rugby, and and both teams were making lots of yards, lots of offloads. It was it was really attractive rugby to watch. And but then when it came to to set piece, when it came to scrum time, like East just had. Pure dominance there, which which they were able to convert, and you know eventually get one of the uni props put in the bin, and that was where they really were able to
0: accelerate and hammer home their advantage. And to win six from six—that's uh, six from six, which is that was the women's, the Colts, the first guy, That's an amazing result for the club.
1: Oh, it's brilliant. oh, unbelievable! And the the atmosphere, the atmosphere at Ballymore looked like it was absolutely humming. Like you had all the guys that had played the grand finals the day before, all yep. obviously on the Terps. Yep. for 24 hours prior, <laughs> the whole, whole Bunymore Hill was just full of Tigers and UQ supporters and they were going ballistic for all 80 minutes. Uh, um, great. It was really great, really great to see. You know, there was the Tigers mascot got carted away there at one stage and uh, it, was, it was really good. And they just obviously just loved, loved the success of the club, but, you know, it was just a really good day for club rugby. To see a club like that—that's built from the base up and done—they got some really good coaches there with Moses Raluni and Mark Bartholomew's, but all the way through the club, they got a really good coaching structure. The penalty count I think was eighteen to nine, I think, to East, and half of those penalties came from scrums, and that was that was the dominance of the, yeah, okay. the East scrum on the day. And it took them all game to get a yellow card, and they were almost <laughs> pleading for it there at one stage. They, they were taking. They were taking scrum penalties thirty meters out just to get another penalty, just to reinforce, <laughs> just to reinforce it. Even I, yeah. even I was yeah. sitting there going, just it kick just it, to touch,
2: tap it, get get on with it.
1: <laughs> Have a line out, <laughs> more than um, something. And something. and talking, yeah, and it was it was interesting. The, the and the nine uh, pills. He's he's uh, he got the point scorer of the year for the uh, um, Brisbane comp, and he had a really good day with the boot and just managed. Managed played really well, and he was rewarded with a really nice try in the second half, which pretty much skipped, skipped the Tigers away. And he, um, Even though his pass path is, path isn't probably one of the strongest, he's got a really good all-round game, young Pills. And Aiden Tua, who played 10, probably didn't have one of his greatest games, a bit hot and cold, but he certainly has a, a big hand in uh, that team's success. And they've, they've got an awesome back row with Benny Moen, Michael Gunn, and the Croatian Chuck Norris, Milosevic, Milosevic. Um, <laughs> just terrific back row. Just really combative. Uh, and the Wallabies could take a, a leaf out of the way those three yeah. combine together and play the game yep. as, as a combination. Really good, really strong.
0: And then in, in City, Mitch, have you stopped smiling yet? Your, your friends at Gordon, they've, they held on all year. They kept threatening to fall off the rails, but defeating Eastwood 28-8,
1: yeah, it was a pressure cooker of a game, Mickey, wasn't it? 22 years since the last first-grade granny when we beat Norse in 98. But, um, yeah, success for the club this year, club champions. Darren Coleman got coach of the year. Va Malu uh, got the catchpole medal, the hooker, yep. who's just a terrific player. He's had an awesome season. So, And they capped it off with the win against the Woodies. Big, big moment in that game was the, the Woodies pack parked on the Gordon line with about 20 minutes to go and had consecutive scrums. Uh, they were pleading for a penalty try or give, yep. give them something or a man in the bin. They got the man in the bin but didn't get the penalty try <laughs> and then um, just couldn't convert. And then Gordon just went up the other end and went whack, whack, two quick tries and it was yep. all over, red over up. for the Woodies. But yeah. um, I'll tell you what, they, the, the Eastwood boys played really well this year, I thought, they. I would have thought they weren't the fancy favourites to win on the weekend, but they could have snaffled it. They really yep. could have had an upset. Whereas I mean, Gordon where, obviously went into that game as favourites.
2: Where did they come from? They come from sixth the woods to, to just about take it they out, did. didn't they as well? On the yeah, ladder, yeah, they, they, so they, that's they,
0: like a great, that's a brilliant yeah. effort for them. Yeah, that a tough road yeah. to get there. Now, and, and the the Gordon Hooker, Mitch, yeah. is he the one that Darren Coleman's
1: taking away to? LA? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's taking it with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, another player lost see. to the system. Mm. And geez, you watch, would have thought he would have I don't, know. I don't know out. if
2: he, I don't know if he is or not. Watch, watch this space. Oh, watch really? See. oh really? Yeah. Oh,
1: so he's going to be your replacement of the force test, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
0: it's coming to every other
1: person. Come, J- <laughs> that'll, come that'll June. Be a, that'll, that'll, that'll be a force squad of about 55. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they've, <laughs> they've certainly signed some
2: players. <laughs> Sign them all before their super rugby caps. Placed on it,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a twenty million dollars. Well, there
1: is cap. no cap for the force, as no. far as I know. They can do it's, it. they like.
0: Exactly. So, are there any are there any players in, in out of those two grand finals that you think should be in a Super Rugby squad? That that, that you know, middle aged, twenty four, twenty five, that that didn't come through the academy system, but are, but but are blossoming now, but have
1: been ignored. Uh Well, if you look at the East Tigers to start with, you look at George Frank, Francis. Um, the young hooker's name, which name escapes me, just off the top of my head, and Van Neek. That front row got loads of potential, and I think the the hooker, Asiata, might be, is it Asiata? Is it yeah, Asiata. I think he might be going overseas. Yeah. Um, whereas Big George could well be, you know, he's if you got him a little bit fitter, he could well come up to that level because he's a big unit. Yeah, certainly Milosevic, yeah, and Gun are two guys that you could have a look at within a Super Rugby setup. From a Gordon standpoint, certainly the hooker, the 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 13 probably didn't have his best game to a lassie, but um Joey Walton's already there, in a in a in a setup. The young fullback for Gordon played really well. McDonald, I thought he was probably the man of the match with yep. some of the decision making he made and his in and his clutch tackles at the at the death. Did a really good job as a fullback. He's not a big unit, but geez, he, he created um. Plenty him attack and defended really well. Um, so did some good plays there. And you got Rodney owner who was just standout for Gordon all year. So he's one bloke that you know the Western Force should never let go because he he has had an awesome club season.
2: While well, we talk on tens as well, the young, the other young ten from Eastwood has been picked up by the Tars, hasn't he? See
1: yeah, yeah. he's great, Edmund, Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I love been, watching he's him been play. Quite good. Yeah. His, old, his old man. Was I Steve love watching Edmund. him play. He's really good. Oh, really. Yeah, was, yeah,
0: Balmain yep. Tigers. Yeah, yeah. So he's, yep. um, well, there's talk around now that the whole the ghetto law that we've got to throw that out and we just got to pick players from anywhere. It Doesn't matter how if they're overseas and they're eligible. If that's not saying it's going to come in, but is that do you agree with that or do you think we still need to have that qualification level? Look, it's, okay. I, I still think I feel like we still need to have our
2: best players playing in Australia. It's it's hard to deny the success that South Africa. Had with with you know taking taking the different route, but it's, we haven't got the the playing numbers that South Africa does mm. to pick from, unfortunately. And I still, yeah, I, like me personally, as much as it as I you know we're we're suffering because of it. I think we need to focus on having our programs and our development lead into guys wanting to stay here and, and play here, as opposed to developing guys who just want to end up going overseas. There's no Perfect answer, perfect world for it. But I, yeah, personally, I, f- I feel like we should still be staying in Australia, still still keep it as is. Mitch? I'm
1: not even convincing myself yeah. as I say.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what's what's the cap for the Giddo's Law? What's the, is it 60? 60 60? odd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair and reasonable number, to be perfectly honest. I, I think, you know, 60. Bring guys in if they play more than 60s is, is perfectly feasible, um, especially in this day and age where you've got, you know, subject to COVID, a lot of test matches being played on a, a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's five or six years worth yeah. of tests, and all of a sudden you've chalked up to 60. I, I'd, I'd leave it as is, and if guys want to make come back and play for Australia, then they play in Australia because it should be it should be an Australian rugby cent, centred approach. And yeah. I've always said that from day one. Whatever we do. There were changes in mate. It has to have rugby in Australia as the centre point. Yep. That has to be your sole guiding yeah, yep. principle around decision making. What's good for rugby in Australia? Australia. not yeah. to, not what's good for the Wallabies. What's good for rugby in Australia? And if that's your guiding principles, then you you leave it as is.
0: Because otherwise, we'll end up like soccer, and and we'll become a sixth ah. tier sport over here, where where there are no no one yeah, really pick, cares about pick, it.
1: And where do you inspire the next generation if these kids or young blokes can't play alongside these guys or watch them play play locally?
0: Correct. So we'll all agree we'll leave that as it is. So to the mailbag, and New Zealand rugby is reportedly close to announcing a deal with a private equity group, Silver Lake, Uh, and their, their hope is to create an Anzac block, so there should be some benefits for Australia. But the thing is, I think we may have discussed, they'll want the value of that investment to go up. So how that's going to affect development of the game remains to be seen, because I'm sure those blokes won't want to be paying millions to help develop the local under-10s. That They're the sorts of people, if it does go with a, um, a private equity group, they're the sort of people that would say, I don't care how many tests they've played, I want this product to be the best that it can. So that there's a real double-edged sword with this private equity being involved in, in Australia and New Zealand, especially to the detriment of Australia, I think.
1: Yeah, well... I, I don't want to sound disparaging into the way Twiggy's running the Western Force, but he can pretty much do whatever he likes and and dictate who should be and who should not be in the Western Force lineup. And when we've seen him gone and recruit a whole whole bunch of Argies, yeah, saw that, Irish, yeah. yep. Kiwis, the yep. whole, it's going to end up being like a Talon. Yes. Like the Talon was where it's just a bunch of all stars and they go off and win championships and that's great but what does that say for what's underneath that? And you've got to be careful. The same thing doesn't happen if they go for the private equity model as a, as a competition structure. Very much so. And uh, in Australia... I think, I, I think there is room for private equity, though, Mickey. I think there is I room I think for, so, absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. It's, but it's, but it, it can't be the tail wagging the
0: dog. Correct. Yes, well said. And in Australia, Channel 9 are closing in on a broadcast deal, but still nothing confirmed. Uh, teams going to pre-season must be pretty soon. Wouldn't be far away. Boys over here about week
2: about two. Four weeks. Oh, four weeks,
0: weeks. <laughs> into week it, aren't they? Already into it? Okay. Yeah, week three. <laughs> so still no competition, but apparently both camps now are keen on, on Trans-Tasman, and they reckon at a bare minimum, they're thinking that the Australian clubs, the winner of Super Rugby Australia, will face the winner of the New Zealand competition at the end of their season. But there's been a few formats that have been thrown around. One where we play, they play, and then the two competitions are run side by side with a two pools of five and then they play a round Robin and either the top two. So it all seems still very confusing and no one's got any idea as to what actually is going on. So I don't know how they're going to lock this broadcast deal away until they actually make some decisions. So time, it's, it's got to be come out sooner or later because it's nearly Christmas. <laughs> I'm
2: just happy that there wasn't a
0: question there, me because I yeah, was... Yeah, there wasn't. No one. Yeah, I was, I, I <laughs> I was, was confused try, myself. I was
2: trying to understand <laughs> what I that I was going to be. <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe Rob... Maybe Rob Clark is is waiting a little bit longer so he can wear a, Chris, a Santa outfit or something like that <laughs> and to announce get it. A bit more publicity.
0: Yeah, he'll jump out of he'll jump out of a helicopter in a Santa suit and announce the draw. <laughs> he'll pull it out of a sack. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And finally, England have won the Six Nations. They beat Italy thirty-four points to five with a bonus point, but they had to wait to see the result from the Ireland game. And France beat them. 35-27, and England ended up winning on a... It was a countback of points difference. It was 44-21. to 21. So, England winning the Six Nations, France second, and Ireland third. So, that all seems to be going along swimmingly for Eddie Jones. So, will they dangle the carrot once again for Eddie? Or do you think Rennie will see Eddie's four years? Will they sack Rennie after this weekend?
1: <laughs> no, Dave, Dave will be fine. They've got to stick, they'll stick with Dave's um, contract, and Eddie will just keep bearing on. Um... You know, I, I actually – what's happened with the um, the club scene over in the UK with all the, the recent outbreaks of COVID and all this stuff? Yeah. we've well, COVID. I don't No, Has that, that well, impacted that? Yeah,
0: well, they're Is their comp, comp still going?
1: Cause no, there's they're – the I X, haven't X, seen X, any X, updates X, or, X, of, or any coverage X of one. anything.
2: Exeter won the comp. Exeter won it. The other week, So, they're in yeah. a break. Oh, when, they're, they're, so on when a break. they're kicking off for
1: the next part. So, they're on a break. Oh uh, yeah, I get it. I've I'm all out of whack with the UK season now yeah. because normally they'd be in the thick of it uh, and we've only just seen the Six Nations finish so I, I assume they're going to start things up the other side of Christmas. Yeah,
0: if, if they can get out, if they can get outside because mm. I don't know how long they're going to lockdown for but they're, anyway. They're till the beginning of December aren't they? Yeah, yeah. strange times, strange times. Well mm. I think that'll, that'll do us. There's um, This weekend obviously is the big one and then we go into a couple of games against the Argies but... Uh, yeah, it's it's. Let's hope we can pull a couple of wins Out of that one Because it would be a nice way to finish the season It must be Christmas Eve Must be the last game This competition seems to be going on <laughs> For a long time but
1: It keeps going on and on just and on It keeps
0: going on and on and on But anyway So Mitch, mate, good to see you uh, How many more days? Three more days you're out, you're out on
1: Friday, are you? Yeah, out on Friday, mate I'll be able to go to the races on Saturday And then uh, out and about Get into the throes of cricket season Yes Enough um, to that, mate Perfect That'll be good And Tess,
0: you're keeping well? Fresh and well. Always, Mick. Excellent. Good. (laughs) Good. All right. Well, thanks, gentlemen. Good to catch up. Thanks to the Telecom Shop and also to Elmstock Tea. And
1: thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time on The Rugby Wrap.